Welcome to the Art of Wellness podcast. I'm Kara Reitz. I believe that each individual is an artist and that wellness is not defined by any one method or practice, but whatever you do that makes you show up in life as your best self, unique to you, to curate your life like the work of art that it is, speaking your truth. Here we will talk about everything from following your life's passion to how we are treating ourselves and mind, body, and spirit, and how this all connects to the deeper world around us and the beautiful work of art that is life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Art of Wellness Society podcast, and happy 2023. Although it is February, I am really happy to be getting back into the swing of things with the podcast, and I am also really looking forward to you all listening to today's episode because I have a very special guest on, my good friend, Sarah Doan. Sarah is the founder of Flow Space Strategies, a PR agency that develops compelling brand awareness campaigns for founders and CEOs across design, health, and social impact. Her specialty is getting clients booked as guests on podcasts to establish deeper connections with target audiences through candid brand storytelling. Sarah is interested in deconstructing the health influencer landscape bringing true community to the forefront and putting the we back in wellness. As always, I am not going to make this introduction too long because we really discuss some great things and the episode really does speak for itself. I will put all of Sarah's contact information and her bio in the show notes. In this conversation, we discuss putting the we back in wellness and unraveling the perfectionism of wellness culture. We also discuss starting a business and how your most valuable asset is listening, observing, and learning as you go, learning on the job and just starting. I'm really happy, as I said, to have Sarah on the show. She is an inspiration to me. She has helped me so much in the development and expansion of my show and I am so happy to have her on today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sarah Doan of Flow Space Strategies. Hi Sarah, how are you? I am good. I'm so excited to chat today. I am so excited to chat as well. Um, I know that I've already mentioned Sarah is a very close friend of mine. We've gotten close literally in the last, I'd say, what, like year and a half? Yeah, um, it's wild. I think about this all the time where I'm like, I've so many people I've met during COVID, like I don't even know in person. Like I, I don't even, aside from your Instagram, I don't even know what you look like. We just talk on the phone all the time, but I feel so close to you. <laughs> it is so true. And I think like we, we talked about this before, like honestly, even friends that are near me, um, and in the past, especially living in LA, like I don't see them that often and we would just talk on the phone. So I think that's why it feels so comfortable to not have like actually met each other in person. Um, but it's really wonderful. And, you know, for everything that social media is, um, the connection when you find a truthful, honest connection with someone like that is, that is the beauty of it. 
Totally. And it's, I think the success marker for me on social media, it's like if the relationships come off of that platform, even if you're still on technology to like mediate mm-hmm. the relationship, as long as they like make their way off of Instagram in some capacity, we're good. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so yeah. I have wanted to bring Sarah on for a while because Sarah is just a natural collaborator and connector. And you have so many insights on just the landscape of not only social media, but also the psychology and behavior of what is happening in media right now. We will spend like hours, we spent hours, like if you add it up, talking about the psychology of all this stuff Mm -hmm. and your insights are always so fascinating and you're such a positive person and so open to new ideas. So I'm really happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you. It's so funny. I live for just dissecting what's going on in the zeitgeist, what people are interested in. And a lot of what I, I don't know, a lot of the things I pick up on too in social media, particular, particularly kind of in the wellness space, um, I don't know how to put it um, without sounding negative. It's interesting you say I'm positive because a lot of the time I think when I'm breaking down a lot of the stuff that's happening in like the podcast and social media space, I feel like it's going in a negative space, particularly in the wellness world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we'll get into that with podcasts too, how I think there is a lot of hope in podcasts in terms of um, helping us have a longer attention span, hearing people's actual stories as opposed to just seeing the highlight reel, all that sort of stuff. Right. Absolutely. And I think, well, you know, there's, there's positives and negatives to everything. And when something, I feel like you're my one friend who we can be totally honest with each other and we really don't sugarcoat things when we Mm -hmm. talk about Mm -hmm social media, Mm -hmm. uh, because our businesses are hugely reliant on that space. Mm -hmm. And so there are negatives and positives to it. But I guess what I mean when I say you're positive is you always can see the other side and how it can get better. Mm -hmm. Now, where we go from here. Uh, So with that being said, you've had some amazing experiences already in your young adult life. And I admire how you've really led with your heart and your intuition and changed the course of your life when you felt, you know, that gut feeling. So I would absolutely love for you to introduce yourself in whatever way you feel called to. Yay. Thank you, Kara. So I, my name is Sarah again. I am 25 years old and I grew up in Kansas City and I was here for, again, all of my childhood, lived in the same house, had a very comfortable upbringing. And then I decided, though, when I was 18, I was like, screw this place. This is so boring. I'm going to New York City. And so I went to college in New York and had that full experience. And it was one of those things, I hope people can resonate with this, where being put in an environment that's just such a pressure cooker and like we can really, it was an environment where I could really thrive because I can, I mean, I can put my grindstone and get stuff done when I have to, but it wasn't necessarily the best for my mental, physical health, relationships, anything like that. So I hung on for several years. I went to school there, like I said, and then stayed for a year after to work. And COVID brought me back to the Midwest and kind of forced me out of um, that environment. And it's been really great to be back here and really kind of reestablish what um, I think uh, balanced, as cliche as the term balance is, reestablish what a balanced life means for me. 
and build my business here. So what I do in terms of work is I am essentially a PR consultant that specializes in podcasts. So I get brand founders and CEOs booked as guests on podcasts as part of their overarching marketing strategy. And I, it's funny, I started this working kind of in like the wellness space. And it's something I've kind of tried to get out of for a while because I think a lot of what's going on in wellness isn't really well at all. Um, but it's funny, I keep getting called back to it in terms of the clients I work with. And I feel this kind of um, pull to redefine the, or I guess, um, what's the word? Like reform the wellness industry from within and make it more about community as opposed to this kind of like personal self-indulgent um, situation that it is now. So that's kind of um, uh, broad strokes of where I've been, where I'm going, all the things. Yeah. Where where did you go to college in New York again? I went to Columbia. Uh, okay. York okay. City. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing initially that connected us so deeply was the parallels of our stories. Um, just really, truly being we're both from the Midwest and uh, we were on different coasts. So mm -hmm. I was in L.A. and you were in New York. And I really like how you just said that the environment you were in held all of these amazing opportunities for you. Mm -hmm. But on a personal and wellness health level for you, it was not somewhere you could thrive because of that pressure cooker aspect that um the pressure that's felt at all times it never really ends mm -hmm. it was just um i guess just the combination of growing up going to again being very privileged going to a private school and then making my way to a really competitive university and mm -hmm. being surrounded by people who are just achieving at really high levels, but not necessarily, I, I could always pick up on, again, being somewhat intuitive, I could always pick up on the fact that like something's missing. Like these people may be getting incredible grades or ending up working at like, I don't know, um, all these big institutions. I don't even know how to put it. Like people working on Wall Street and people like becoming doctors, but there was always something missing. Like they weren't truly happy and I could just pick up on that. I could pick up on the idea of the rat race and just how this constant race to nowhere Mm -hmm. um, and the wellness space, which I know we've spoken about, but also just career-wise, um, also in terms of relationships, how it everything feel very social, climby, very transactional. And I could play the game for a little bit, and then I just felt so unfulfilled, and I felt so lonely in New York. In spite of being surrounded by so many people all the time, I just felt extremely isolated. And it's actually, it's kind of interesting. I think that's how I got into podcasts. I remember my freshman year um, in college, I lived alone in the dorms and I don't remember feeling lonely then because I spent so much time just exploring the city, going to museums and always listening to podcasts. And I felt, it's interesting, I kind of felt like I had mentors and all these podcast hosts. I felt like yeah. I was learning so much, just connecting with people all around the world. And I think that's really the power of social media when we use it for the right um, reasons. It has a way to... Um, you know, connect us with different ideas, different viewpoints. And that's also, I think, for better and for worse. So in one aspect, it helped me not feel lonely in spite of living alone. But um, it can also kind of um, isolate you too, if you really rely on that for your connection. Absolutely. That is so true. I think a lot of people can resonate with that in the sense of feeling like you're in 
this big city and for me it was LA and it was almost this um like you I'd assume grew up kind of in a bubble of a kind of suburb and felt safe all the time and I had access to the internet at a young age so that was the TV and the internet were like my my idea of what these big cities were you know mm -hmm. and um when you actually get there it's kind of this heartbreaking realization that at a young age that not everything is always greener on the other side that's like people say that but it's the truth when you when you sit there and you have this kind of heartbreaking moment that I go to these parties or these events and I meet these artists or people and I'd realize that there is something missing within them too and it's like I love what you said you said the race to nowhere right Mm -hmm. that's 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 so true I mean and that's when you have this what's the word I'm looking for not aha moment but this like holy shit moment <laughs> of like what is there then yeah you know, this thing I thought I wanted it's kind of like what do what does this actually all mean because if you get there and you're not happy then that's when you go within totally and it's interesting too I find that being again being in those environments where everybody on the outside looks like they're thriving but you could just pick up on something missing mm -hmm. um, like I found that I would then blame it on myself I'd be like oh it's probably just me that's crazy or like when I kind of put two and two together that I actually didn't like New York I essentially gaslit myself and was like oh but everybody else likes it here everybody else is bending over backwards to live here um so there must be just something wrong with me for not liking it and only during um COVID, I guess, like how everybody really is first across the country again. And I realized, oh, there are so many other great places to be. Um, that's when I realized not everybody, not everybody's built for that urban environment or that, like you said, right. the, the, just the rat race. Not everybody's built for that. And honestly, I feel like minority of our population is even living that way. But it felt for whatever reason, I think because of how social media works, it feels like so many more people are living that life and are fulfilled by that life than actually are. What I have found is like the people in LA, for example, that are doing well there that say they love it there. They love it because I I noticed a pattern that they would leave for a while and come back, you know. Mm -hmm. They were they had that freedom to travel and or they traveled for work, etc. And then the young people or the people who didn't have a huge income or were you know, grinding away were the ones that were like, oh my God, like I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So just like anything, you know, you get sick of the place you're living in and you and you have to get away for a while. But it's about that, that, you know, truthfully, that financial freedom. Too. Mm -hmm. Totally. Especially in New York. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was crazy. It's funny, too. I I've this is somewhat of an aside, but I've cried happy tears twice in my life. Once was when I got into when I got my acceptance letter for college and then the second time was when I was going across the Brooklyn Manhattan Expressway <laughs> to LaGuardia, like in what, 2020, when I'd moved all my stuff out and I was just crying happy tears because I was finally able to leave. So yeah. it's not like the whole time I lived there, I was so unhappy. It was just like, I would say the last year like after graduating college and having this whole other existence there um, as an adult where I was like, this is just not it, everyone. <laughs> Right, right. And and I think you have to have that experience in your life where, you know, maybe you'll you'll go back in, in some aspect someday, but you had to be pulled from it to really see clearly, yeah. you know, and see the growth that has taken place. 
already within you that you probably would have had blinders on Mm -hmm. um, if you continued to just stay in that environment. Absolutely. So you went to school there and then did you kind of have any other jobs outside of that? And then also what was your pit in your peak of, of living there? Oh, wow. Okay. So I was constantly working through college and it was interesting. I don't know how much of this is just innate to me. I just like to create chaos. I like to be doing eight <laughs> things at once. Like I had no need to be working, but I was like, I guess I did. I had like some like innate, like soul need to be doing something out, like to be in environments outside of this college campus to be meeting different people to have kind of my own schedule outside of class and just to have a greater purpose and I'm still that way where it's like I like to just have a lot of different projects going be involved in a lot of different circles so all through college I was um, I can enumerate some of these jobs so I was a head TA for linguistics Um, that's one of the things I studied was I studied anthropology and linguistics which another aside it's funny because often as a humanities major, you're asked, what the hell are you going to do with that? But I can really connect the retrospect because both of those are all about people telling stories, sharing stories, finding ways to convey information in an effective way, um, and just um, language, communication. And so looking back, I'm like, oh, it makes so much sense now. But I could have never charted that path um, when I was in college. But anyway, so... Like I said, one thing I did, I was a TA for several years, and I loved that. I loved teaching and um, somewhat, like I guess, mentoring people. I worked at Press Juicery for three years. I was the first, um, the first Columbia brand ambassador for Healthy Kombucha. Um, I worked at the class by Taryn Toomey for several years, which is like a boutique. Oh. Yeah. So there are a lot of like, a lot of little things that got me involved in like the quote unquote wellness space or whatever right. that. Um, and I really loved all those experiences and I pro tip anyone, like I still do this. If you, um, want access to boutique fitness classes, just go like work there, like pick up a, a day a week shift and then you can get a free membership. So yeah, yeah. Done that. that's life hack. Um, and then after college though, it's interesting. I, um, I remember this was like, well, I think there's just this whole, um, taboo against taking any time off after college because I was so burnt out right after I graduated but I really like guilted myself about the fact that I needed like a month out of the city just to like recalibrate but anyway so I came back after that to Kansas City and then I went back to New York and was looking for jobs and I started by just kind of looking for nannying jobs just something that would carry me as I was finding like something more corporate was my idea and I ended up connecting with this woman who wanted me to nanny your children and she wanted me to commit for I think she wanted either one or two years and I said I couldn't do that but then she said hey like if you will um like if if you commit to a year or two I'll give you some career experience too because she worked in PR or more precisely like brand strategy communications so Mm -hmm. I did that with her and it was just a really interesting experience in terms of seeing that whole like Upper East Side lifestyle being a part of it without, like, kind of, I guess, being a fly on the wall for it, and also yeah. some um, experience that um, I didn't necessarily. I mean, I, I find I found that I learned. I don't know how much I actually was able to help her, but right. I think just absorbing a lot of what she did, just seeing, I guess, expanding my idea of what was possible, and then now looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness. I essentially do that same thing now for my clients that I was witnessing her doing, like, I guess, three or four years ago, which was right. 
Um, it's just a full circle moment. That is, yeah, that is so amazing when down the road you realize the reason for mm-hmm. the season. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I remember, you know, being on shoot after shoot and it being a slog or feeling like, oh, I should be getting paid for this or whatever it may be and just watching, but not really realizing that I was watching. Mm -hmm. And then when it came time for me to utilize something in design or, or photography or something, I was able to just do it. And I had to stand back and like, how do I know how to do this? Like, how do I actually know how to do this? And it's like, oh, because I was watching for so many years, you know, not understanding why. And there's power in that. And if there was something that I could have told myself back then was to just, you know, be patient and, and stay present and realize like this, this is going to be useful one day. You don't know how, but you have to trust. Totally. It's purely learning through osmosis. And I think, I think about this a lot where um, I feel like there has to be some sort of transaction, like some sort of value exchange when you're doing work for someone. But often, and this might be a privileged perspective, often that won't come through money, at least now. It's like it might come through connections or it might come through this idea that I might not be getting paid a certain amount now, but I will be earning that down the line. It's like we, we can't expect that exchange to happen in the moment you know right and and if you may have been paid for certain things back then you might have just like done just enough it's all mindset which brings me into kind of what we talked about earlier was learning by doing Mm -hmm. and not waiting for the perfect moment Mm -hmm. in your life when you know enough Mm -hmm. to start taking action toward a goal, like starting a business or moving somewhere new. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that, you know, we're never quote unquote ready for anything in life and that there is no perfect moment to just even take the smallest step Mm -hmm. toward your dream. No, I hear you. And it's like, even just mentioning like your dream, a lot of us don't even know what our dream is. Like if people ask me what I do on a day-to-day basis, I have no fucking clue. Like I don't even know what my, (laughs) it sounds so embarrassing, but often like I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just know that it's working now and I like the work I'm doing now. Um, And so if people, I mean, I just know when I was like 22, I had no idea what my career was going to be. I just graduated with a humanities degree. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I know I'm hungry for work. I know I work hard. I know I show up for people. I know I'm warm and compassionate, but I don't really know what services I can render. And so it's a matter I find of, again, if you don't really know what you're doing or what your dream might be, it's like just connecting, like putting yourself out there to meet different people, honing in on these, like um, the people that you really um, vibe with. It's like, okay, finding ways to serve them and make their life easier. And then seeing what might come of that because my business has grown because I am constantly trying new things and I'm allowing myself to learn on the job. Like I've connected with people who are so um, kind to essentially let me expand my offerings according to what they need. And they just trust that I will learn as I go. And that's really the only way to um, grow because often, I mean, a lot of these things that we're talking about in terms of like PR, I guess you could study communications or media relations or something, but a lot of this you can't really just like study in a class. You kind of just have to, you go by feeling and intuition and through connections with other people. I think about like 19 year old me just going to LA Mm -hmm. and just going and doing, I had no idea. Just like you went to New York, you, you had, you had no idea. And like, that's 
honestly, the kind of attitude to have in Mm -hmm. life, learning on the job, Mm -hmm. and most importantly, just continuously being open to learning. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes we go to college, we get really good at something, and we kind of close our mind to continuing to grow and expand and learn something new and try something new because we limit ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think when you're saying to like continuing to learn, it's like committing to becoming an interesting person. It's like, how can you just maintain excitement for different aspects of your life? Right. Constantly learning different things through podcasts or through reading, or just how can you stay in that um, mindset of just being excited about things? And naturally that will translate to other people. If other people um, pick up on you being excited about something, even if the topic itself doesn't interest them, they will sense that you're interested in that. And it will just, um, I feel like it's great for building relationships too. Right. I want to discuss how you got into the wellness space initially. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So getting into the, the, I don't even know where to begin this one. Maybe just like me either, honestly, it's opening up a whole can of worms because I influencing. Yeah. And this one, I'm just going to frame, this is going to be like a lot of people start their wellness journey is like, Oh my goodness. Like it's been the best thing for me. And I honestly wouldn't say that my quote wellness journey has been good for me because Mm -hmm. I mean, it probably, I mean, I'm thinking back to like when I was really little, like probably like nine or 10, I got really into healthy eating and all these things because they were helping me like with swimming. I was a, a, a competitive swimmer and I just knew that like, okay, if I am to feel myself better then like maybe I'll um, swim faster. I don't know. It was, it was a lot about like performance. And as, and this was also like really when, um, the whole like health space was unfolding more and it it was becoming more cool to be into this. There was a lot more information being put out there and um, it became almost, and I guess continues to be like a channel for my perfectionism. It's like Mm -hmm. the longest time I wasn't aware of it, how this was just a way for, I guess, how do I want to put it? Like working out and eating well and, um, you know, prioritizing my health, um, was just a way to um, improve myself because I had this idea that like I wasn't good enough and wasn't I don't know just all these sorts of it, it was it wasn't now I'm rambling on but it wasn't necessarily always coming from a place of like I just want to um, feel better yeah it wasn't necessarily from feel better it was like this idea that I'm not doing enough. I am fatally flawed. And if I am not constantly putting in work to discipline myself and to make my life miserable, <laughs> sorry, this mm-hmm. is so, no, it, it's not. It's, it's very yeah. refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I just don't think a lot of it. Um, a lot of it was coming from a healthy place and it's, it continues to be something I struggle with. I think in terms of like, okay, how can I find this? How can I truly enjoy my life and not have this need to just like be hard on myself all the time and really difficult with wellness too, because it's marketed as something to improve yourself. And, and it's marketed in very like moral, like more in in terms of morality, like you are a good person if you're prioritizing your health and people who don't prioritize their health must be bad people or must have their priorities wrong. And that's something I've definitely internalized. It's to the point where it's like, sometimes it comes down to like, enjoying um like I don't know like just enjoying life in general and just being relaxed I feel like it's something to be guilty about or to feel guilty about and like 
I'm just constantly working on and constantly like trying to shift my mindset and be like, no, like life isn't meant to be hard like this. Like you don't need to like make life harder by adding more things to your to-do list because I don't know, I think the whole wellness space too, it makes it seem as though health is something that's really difficult to achieve, that you have to work out X amount or eat a certain way or um, meditate all the, like spend all this time meditating. And I just don't think it has to be that way, but it's something I'm constantly having to reframe in my mind because of how pervasive this messaging is. I think when you're a personality like you and like I am, I have always had that need to be disciplined and perfectionistic mindset, which I never thought that I had Mm -hmm. um, until I started getting into health and wellness Mm -hmm. and working out and really acting like I'm like a pro athlete or something. (laughs) you know, when I'm like 17. And it's like, for what, you know, I I remember just getting into that, because I think there's a sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. that comes with a routine and of doing all these things that you have on your list to do, Mm -hmm. and eating the perfect way and, and whatever. And by default, you're going to feel, you know, those endorphins, you're going to feel good about yourself, like, oh, look what I'm doing. Nobody Mm -hmm. else is doing this. And Mm -hmm. that's the high that comes with it. But then you your initial purpose and doing all those things was to make yourself feel better. And now it's gotten muddy. It's mm-hmm. gotten confusing and you've completely mm-hmm. lost the truth of mm-hmm. why you started. You know, I encourage people to try different wellness things for themselves to see if they like it, not because someone's telling you to do a certain routine, but, you know, try a sauna, you know, try a Pilates class, like see if you like it because, you know, I've benefited greatly from different wellness things. They have made me better. Mm-hmm. But every day, I like you, I am still continuing to learn about unraveling that perfectionism. Totally. And it's so hard. I I find it so difficult, too, because I know you mentioned, like, it, it's a way of somehow positioning yourself above others and that, like, oh, look, I'm doing something that other people aren't doing. But then there's also this piece of feeling like you need to work out in a certain way because it looks like everybody else is doing that on social media. So right. it's like this tension between like, okay, so I want to do this because everybody else is and I'm lazy if I don't. And it also, when you do work out that way, it gives you the licensing to then be like, oh, I worked so hard and you didn't do it this morning. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm somehow better. But it's just interesting too, because so much of it, and this is another piece that I struggle with a lot, like just all of the rhetoric around self-improvement and how if you are not constantly trying to improve yourself, then there must be something wrong with you or you must be somehow flawed. And I just, I don't think, I just think we've pushed self-improvement, personal development so far um, and it's become so um, self-indulgent and so much of the wellness space is just like, one thing I struggle with is the idea of you have to put your oxygen mask on before you can put anybody else's on. And like, I get it. I get Mm -hmm. it. Show up fully if you're not well rested or (laughs) maybe you'll be a little bit happier if you like have had a balanced meal. Like maybe you'll be able to listen to somebody better if you um, have meditated that morning. But we've pushed it so far that it almost like gives people permission to say like, hey, nobody can talk to me before noon because I have to get through my 80-step morning routine. And it's, right. like, it's not that way. Like, it gives people permission to be so self-oriented. And I'm like, I'm the I'm uh, so guilty of this. I just don't like how that's now being marketed as like 
a wellness thing or a value thing, like a value judgment of like, if you don't have this 80 step morning routine and if you don't put yourself first, then you're bad. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Something is like twisted. Something. It's, yeah, it's almost become ritualistic or like religious, Mm -hmm. you know, um, in not a good way. Mm -hmm. And I will say that when I've been the quote unquote most well doing all the wellness things in my life, I've been both the most miserable mm-hmm. and also the happiest. Mm-hmm. And it was never really about the things outside of myself that I was doing in terms of eating well or exercising perfectly or whatever it may be. Um, it was an inside job mm-hmm. and it was going, it, whether I was happy, if I was doing something I was happy with, then like no matter what I was happy. Mm-hmm. And so these things outside of us, that's, it's just, like I said, it's a product. It's like this, it's not an actual product you can hold in your hands, mm-hmm. um, but it, it is being marketed as such. And that is where it's getting difficult for people mentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing too, when you, when you mentioned that when you've been your most quote, well, is when you've been your most miserable and your happiest, this is going to be messed up. But I'm like, I think I was probably my happiest because I was my most miserable. Because how so much of this is marketed, it's like, if you like, it's like no pain, no gain. It's like, if you constantly putting in work, it's like, then it, then it, we wire our brains to be like, I need to make my life difficult. And then I can be happy. You know, I need to do this. Then I can feel accomplished. It's so bound up with, um, the American dream and, um, individualism and just like, you know, charging forward and, um, again, self-improvement, but it's, I mean, obviously, I enjoy wellness. My company is called Art of Wellness Society, as is this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Hello. But I think I've reframed my definition of wellness being mm-hmm. truly just what it is meant to mm-hmm. mean. Wellness, mm-hmm. being well in mind, body, and spirit, mm-hmm. doing what makes you joyful and live a fulfilled, happy, free life. That's wellness. I love everything. I I would add too that I just want to like bring the we back to wellness because a lot of people, again, because it's so bound up in personal development, it's this idea that when we feel like when as an individual, I feel whole on the inside, then somehow I'm well. I think people aren't giving enough credit to how being in community in any which way can make you feel better. And I think you can actually get away with doing a lot less, like a lot, or a spending a lot less time on like your wellness practices. If you like have really close knit, supportive friend groups, social circles, um, those are so critical for us being physically and mentally well. And think right. about and how isolated we were when we were so focused on our personal wellness and how, how bad that is for your mental and physical health versus like if you, you can do fewer of those wellness things. And as long as you're in community, you can kind of get away with a lot less, I guess. Right. There's, there's nothing truly like meeting someone who is on your same level of thinking and and you can really collaborate with them and really you just vibe and there's nothing like that in this world is a good friendship or a good relationship with another person because I think back to the time in my life when I was the most happiest and truly it was like when I was a kid when I had all my friends around me and I was like dancing which I loved to do and it really wasn't about anything that I'm doing now like in terms of like wellness routines Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing any of that and I was like my most quote-unquote wow yeah yeah it's almost like wellness is now bound up with like wholeness just like feeling whole and complete and comfortable in the moment 
Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, I will say that I have seen of late um, more influencers going toward that because Mm -hmm. they see where it's going, where the trend is going of just be happy and do what feels good. I'm seeing more of that now than I did maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. um, which is refreshing, but it, it's also like, is this really coming from a place of truth? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We so shall. I, yeah, we'll definitely see. And I, I actually wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. where do you think we go from here then? Like with social media? I know, I mean, people talk about it all the time, how when they get on social media and start scrolling, how empty, how angry they start to feel and just how annoyed, honestly. And Mm -hmm. I think though podcasts, what's so powerful about podcasting, I guess, is in no other social media platform does a guest um, have the opportunity or a host have the opportunity to share their story for 30 to 90 minutes and have people's full attention. Because, you know, in social media, think about it. If you go on Instagram and you see a reel, you're just going to scroll right past it because it's like you're not primed to actually focus. Whereas when people listen to podcasts, they're like doing other things at the same time. So they may be passively or actively listening, but 80% of people who listen to podcasts listen all the way through. Um, congrats if you're listening and you made it this far. Already. Yes, thank you. Um, listeners. Yeah, but it's such, I feel like podcasts are such a powerful tool for understanding one another and for really building, for lack of a better word, community and in an age where we just make flash judgments of strangers on social media. And an example of this, I'm not sure if listeners are familiar with the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast with Amanda Hirsch, but she brings on all different celebrities. And quite often they're ones that I'm just like, "Uh, I don't really like that person. But an example is, I think it was the Kourtney Kardashian one. And I don't love Kourtney, but it's hard not to like her or just like understand her a little more when you've heard her sharing vulnerably for like an hour. And I think that's something that is really um, unique about podcasts. Also the fact that there's no real visual element unless you're doing like, you know, broadcasting it as a video as well. I just think there's going to be a lot more movement to long form storytelling. And I'm not the first to say that. I mean, I'm picking this up based on people I'm talking to. So this is by no means my hot take, but I just think people are going to Maybe move away from the TikToks of the world. Heaven forbid I say that. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to. Let's hope. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I think that when, no matter who it is, if you sit down with someone and you have an open heart and open ears and just listen to their true story, you can't not, maybe not love them, maybe not even like them, but you understand them at a human level. Yeah. And that is the power that I find podcasting has. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. The fact that it's one thing that's not visual right now. Mm-hmm. I think we judge people immediately all the time off of their appearance or what they have to say on video or in a photo or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And podcasting is this stripped down version Mm -hmm. of truth and -hmm. it's long form truth i mean there's been radio shows throughout history but nothing like this where it's on demand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think too even if i mean if you hear somebody on a podcast that you think of yourself as being somewhat different from or not really being able to see eye to eye because it's a longer form platform you'll be able to pick up some thread of similarity or i don't know i think about every time i listen to a podcast which is literally all day long i'm constantly listening to podcasts um, mm-hmm. I will always, I don't know, I 
always leave an episode feeling like I understood that other person better and I understand myself better through it. Um, Which I just think is really, if we're talking about, quote, personal development and self-improvement, I think it's so key to learn from other people. And that's honestly, again, we going back to the idea of building your career, I've I've probably learned more from podcasts than I did from my four-year undergraduate degree. Sorry, dad, if you're listening. But um, and I loved college and I'm so grateful for it. But you learn so much experiential wisdom by listening to people on podcasts that are maybe one, two, three or 10 steps ahead of you in the journey. Yeah, it's so inspiring. I remember when I was at a really low point, I Oprah used to have this show where she would interview actors and just Mm -hmm. celebrities. And they were actors that were a little bit older and I never really, um, looked into or anything or knew their story. And I would just listen to story after story and just the resonance their Mm -hmm. stories had on me because at one time they were, you know, a young actor and there were so many similarities that they went through that I literally thought I was like the isolated only one that was going through these things. And if Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been for their stories, Mm -hmm. I often wonder like, where would I be, you know, with my awareness and and how I got through that and changed my perspective on life. Absolutely. And that's just a great point, just in general, in terms of human connection. I think we're so focused these days, at least, on um, kind of, how do I want to put it? Like, um, what's like horizontal relationships is what I mean. So like me connecting with you, like, um, people of the same ages interacting or like how school works. It's like, you're around a bunch of people your age. Whereas Mm -hmm human history it's like we also had vertical relationships like we were really connected with our grandparents and then also mentoring younger people like everybody was there for each other in like a not hierarchical but a more like age diverse way and I think there's so much to be said for those kinds of relationships um, and how we can really guide each other along the way through those yeah you know it's interesting my dad and I were just talking about kind of this this morning Mm -hmm. about the differences in his generation and my generation and you know, I was like, well, your generation raised us. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the thing is, is like, yeah, I feel like there's not this respect or interest for those that came before you mm-hmm. as much anymore in, in wanting to hear their stories. We're a little bit of a know-it-all generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's because we have access to so much at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing like a story of someone that did something similar to you that came before you and the respect that is needed a lot more right now. Totally. And it's all about the perspective they provide too, because so many of the things that we're experiencing for the first time now in our twenties, and it feels like the biggest thing ever. Like when you talk about it with somebody who's several steps along the way, like I have friends in their thirties, forties, fifties, and they always just not making me feel like, Oh, that's like nothing that you're going through, but they're like, they just have a certain level of compassion that people our age might not have yet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I wanted to talk about a little bit more how you were in this wellness space. I know you went to IIN and you kind of, it's this full circle thing um, that I kind of had as well as like, you start the thing you love or the thing that you are interested in, let's say for you in college, And then you got into the wellness space and then you're like, well, you know, I know I can use these tools for something. It might not be the thing I actually thought it was. Mm -hmm. And now you're kind of back where you started with PR and into podcasting, but 
still with that flavor of wellness. Mm -hmm. So how did that kind of happen for you? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting question. I feel like it goes back to now. um, I think this is a a COVID thing where everybody feels this pressure to monetize every single hobby you have. So it's like, I've always been interested in health and stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe I should like be a health coach or maybe I should be a nutritionist of some kind and like make money for it. And so I did IIN and just, we've spoken before about how that program set up, like no shade. I really enjoyed the experience, but they don't really help you with actually like setting up a business. So I hired a different business coach and that was a whole other thing, which like, it was definitely a rocky ride. I'm glad I was along for that ride, but, um, it, I don't know how to put it. Like I, it wasn't, um, necessary. It pushed you you into a new avenue. Yeah, it put me into a new space of like what they call like the wellness to spirituality pipeline of just like getting you to just question everything in a way that's good or bad. It was just an interesting circle of people to be involved with. And I don't know if it was the best use of my money, but it did actually end up bringing me back to the kind of podcast space because like I said, I've always been really into long form content, podcast books. That's like the main form of media I consume. Um, And so but I, kn- I knew that I didn't want to, at least this stage of my life, be an author or host a podcast. I really like being more behind the scenes. My social media is very buttoned up. Like, I just am not somebody who likes to like, put myself out there a whole lot. And so I actually learned from someone who I was working with um, that just because you are interested in one space, for instance, just because you like podcasts doesn't mean you need to become a podcast host. You can be in this industry offering services that um, are beneficial to podcast hosts. So it's like, podcast hosts need PR to help grow their show, or there are plenty of people who are looking to become guests on podcasts. So I can connect them with podcasts. Like you don't have to um, necessarily be that like straight on, like, how do I want to put it? It's like another example is just because you're into fitness doesn't need to need, doesn't mean that you need to become a personal trainer. It's like trainers will always need like legal representation. So if you're a lawyer, you can like offer that to wellness centers or uh, fitness studios or whatever it's like you can and it that makes you a lot more valuable in that industry because you're offering a specific um, niche skill set that a lot of people in the industry do not have so it's just about being creative about how you can position yourself Um, and that's what I did with um, the podcast space I suppose I was working with someone in like a coaching capacity where she was my coach and she had this um, kind of PR for podcast agency. I went and worked under her for that and learned a lot in that role. And I also learned that I wanted to do it on my own. So I stepped away from that role and kind of started building my own business around this. And it's been really great too, because now that I work for myself, I really just focus not necessarily on the services I provide, but the clients I'm working with. So um, there are as long as I have strong relationships with these, like this, like handful of people, I am more than happy to branch out in my services based on what they need. And I think that's something we don't really think about either. We really focus on like, okay, well, what am I going to provide people? I think it should be about who am I connecting with? And then um, maybe find ways to serve them and make their lives easier rather than trying to find people who need exactly what you're offering. It's like find the people first and then offer what they need. Right. That is, that's a great way of thinking about all of that in terms of career, just staying open and that the possibilities are truly endless. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to work in a certain industry, there are all kinds of things you can Mm -hmm. do in that industry. 
Um, and yeah, I love what you said about find the people you gel with first before, you know, seeking, you know, desperately the perfect client, um, mm-hmm. because there's never going to be a perfect client. But if you find a few people who you really can collaborate and create mm-hmm. well together with, and just then fine tune mm-hmm. yourself to what their needs might be at any given time is a really smart way and refreshing way, in my opinion, of going about mm-hmm. your business or career. Yeah. And it leads to longer term partnerships. Because if you say, for instance, if I were limiting myself to, um, say, podcast pitching, then maybe somebody would go on podcast for six months and be done with it. Well, if then they're asking for like, hey, do you also offer media training or do you also offer digital media pitching? Then I can say, yeah, totally. And then the partnership can continue for longer and then referrals happen. It's just like, how can we cultivate relationships that continue to flower through the seasons Mm -hmm. as opposed to just letting them die? And I think, again, focusing on quality over quantity client-wise, I knew... That's one of the reasons why I actually stopped working at the agency I've been working with is because the emphasis really, based on the business model, it really had to be about the quantity of people we were working with. And I just like short-circuited. It's like I can only be in in, um, conversation with X amount of people per day. Um, I just can't hold that energy of being talking to all these people and managing so many people's expectations, having so many people having access to me. So it's like you have to know what you can hold energetically and then really um, stick to that in terms of the people you work with, the times of day they can access you, the ways they can access you, um, and be really super crystal clear about what you're providing for them. And um, that's something I'm constantly learning too. It's like, sometimes I let the um, scope of work creep a little bit, um, because I truly just want to help people, but then it pretty much comes back to bite me when then they start to expect that kind of treatment all the time. So just boundaries. Amen to that boundaries, (laughs) for sure. And that more isn't always better mm-hmm. is lost in the sauce because we think more is better all the time. We want more money. We want more income. We want more clients. We want to help more people, whatever it may be. But, you know, you may gel with a client and you may only have like two clients and you're thinking like, oh my God, I need more people. And this is almost getting boring, you mm-hmm. know, now, but the truth is you just need to wait it out because those people, I guarantee if they really love working with you, they're going to tell everyone they know who Mm -hmm. needs a service like yours and down the road, that is your key. Totally. It's letting, letting your referral do the legwork for you because how many times have I been on a a connection call or had a connection call with a potential client scheduled and they ditch it? Like they just don't show up and it's because we didn't have a referral. We didn't have a connection. Whereas there are other times where I have a referral where I don't even have to do like any selling at all. They're like good to go. Like they are ready to invest. It's like a quick thing because they know through somebody else, the transformation that can come from it. Right. They Uh, have trust and it's just a more authentic thing. And isn't that amazing? Like when it just comes easy like that, like that's, that's how it's all supposed to feel. You know, I would say that actually starting out because I know how probably for, like a couple of years, it felt like there was just nothing happening in my life for my work, which was so not true. It was just a stage of wintering where it's like I was putting down, I was like planting seeds and they just hadn't, they just weren't ready yet, but they under underground or whatever. It's like there were all these root networks being formed and 
it's just, again, I always come back to this concept of compound interest, how it's like, as long as you consistently show up a little bit every day, if you just wait it out for like a year or even a couple of months, sometimes like something will start to come of it. And like you said before, it's just like trusting and having some piece of, um, I think this is where it's really important too. If you're looking to start a business, like have some income stream that will float you like, because if you quit your corporate job or something, and then you put all this pressure on your business to like pop off all of a sudden, that is, um, that's just going to lead to a ton of frustration and burnout. Whereas if you can be working even like a part-time job or like virtual assisting or um, keeping your job for just a couple more months, it's like, then you will have, your business will have the time and space to really um, grow more organically. 100% in the stress that that will add to. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. And, and honestly, Sarah has helped me so much with my podcast and I am still in certain aspects in that stage of laying the foundation. And it can get really hard, you know, when you're first starting a business to continue that trust and con to continue to have faith that it's going to get better when you just see, you feel like it's not. But, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and things take time to grow and they will grow at the right time they're meant to. And, and you'll know why, you'll know why at the moment it does. Totally. Totally. And I know it sounds cliche that like everything happens in divine timing. But <laughs> I give this example that like a lot of people who are looking to like pop off on social media, they're like, I just want like a million followers tomorrow. And it's like, no, you don't. Because you, if you start with like a hundred followers and you don't, you're not receiving any negative feedback. And then all of a sudden you have like a million and you are just being trolled all the time. You will short circuit. Like there is a reason yeah. that it's so slow. There's a reason that you subtly up level. And I'll say too, like, like you had mentioned earlier about feeling like when things are stagnant and you only have a few clients, it's like there are seasons in your business. There are months where you have more movement, months where you are really just honing in on the people you are working with. Like I have seasons all the time where it's like I will be in a super outreach mode and I'm connecting with people all over the place. And then the next few months, it's like just about doing the work for those people. And I don't really have the time to be pulling in new clients. So there's a time and place for all of it. And um, you... Also, I think people often romanticize this idea of having like a full-time business to themselves. But honestly, um, if you, how do I want to put this? Um, there is something to be said for something that is just like small or medium-sized and keeping it that way. Like yeah. keeping, like noticing what is good about where you are. Because, you know, six months down the line of things are really unfolding and really like I said before, popping off, you might be completely overwhelmed. Whereas now you um, are comfortable where you are. So it's like, I think, again, this goes back maybe to the wellness, uh, quote, wellness culture concept of continually up leveling and constant personal development. It's like, things don't always have to be growing. Like there can be joy in the more stagnant spaces. Right. There can be seasonless seasons. There can yeah. be Love it. just you know, it's, it's growing underground and, and you're just allowing it because you, you know that you have the right intentions. I always say that, that the most important thing when you do anything in life is your intention mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. doing any action first. Totally. What is it's the intention behind it? And once you have a solid intention and you know you have enough knowledge and you have the drive, you can just, you know, put it in autopilot for a while. Totally. And with the intention piece, it's like, 
knowing what you're optimizing for. And like the, that's like the, again, personal development, American dream language. It's like, what are we, like, what are you focusing on? So many people in the business space, it's just about how can we drive revenue and like have the biggest month yet. But like, for me at this stage, I'm optimizing for peace of mind. Like I don't want more money if it means I have to work with a headache of a client. Like I'm I'm good. I just want, I want to feel good and content when I'm working and feel purposeful and like I'm being of service to people. And so if it meant bringing on a new client who makes me feel like I'm never doing enough for them, then like, no, it's not worth it. I'm sorry. Bye. Definitely not worth it. It's definitely not worth it. And it's enticing. Yep. If the money's there, it's very enticing, but it goes back to that trust. It's sometimes so hard to trust that, okay, something better is coming. I don't know when, and I don't know what, how, but it's coming. Yep. I want to ask you about podcasting. Mm-hmm. What are your top favorite, like two or three oh. shows that you're currently listening to? Oh, Kara, there's so many. Well, because you always are the one who is like recommending new oh, shows goodness. to me. I get so overwhelmed. I know. And I, I send a lot. I'm just, con- it's my love language, sending people episodes because I'm constantly doing like I, how I rationalize it is I'm doing research. Um, yeah. For work okay well me- that's like me on pinterest looking at like design stuff I'm oh like, totally mm-hmm. okay so my number one favorite um that it doesn't come out enough but this is kind of what i like about it is that it's bi-weekly so i really look forward to it and i don't know if people are going to resonate with this too where you save certain types of podcasts for certain parts of your day so i have the ones i listen to when i'm walking i have the ones i listen to when i'm cooking i have the ones okay I- okay in the morning like it's i'm very like genre oriented like that um but yeah. My one of my favorites is called Maintenance Phase, and it debunks a lot of myths in the wellness culture, quote unquote wellness culture over the past like century. And it's hilarious, super well researched. Um, it's just highly recommend. Um, if I had to recommend one episode of Maintenance Phase, I would recommend the episode called The Wellness to QAnon Pipeline, all about how you know you start out by um working on your fitness routine and then the next thing you know like you're meditating and then you're really into crystals and then you full-on believe in QAnon so like (laughs) that is um hilarious and honestly at first I was like that's pretty far-fetched and then I was like no this is not far-fetched at all because during COVID I like definitely felt like on social media just how um how um polarized the whole um you know wellness trajectory became yeah um so I love that one I also love let's see I love cooking, so I listen to a lot of different food podcasts. Um, I love the oh, um, there's a podcast called Sounds Sounds Like a Cult, hosted by Amanda. Oh, that's Mont- a good one. Yeah, Amanda Montel and Issa Medina. So Amanda wrote, and I'm into this because I studied linguistics in college, and she's a linguist, hilarious. She wrote um, Cultish: The Language of Fanaticism, and so they dive into the modern day cults that we all worship, like the cult of Soul Cycle, the cult of um, mommy influencers. I yep. also love like deep dive health podcasts, like the really sciencey ones, like The Drive with Piratia. I love Huberman Lab. Um, I like the stuff that's actually rooted in science because as the podcast industry is unfolding, there are so many people who have zero credentials who are talking about things with no like medical caveat. Like you should consult your doctor about this, just like giving really niche advice to people who, um, to vulnerable populations. So that being said, I like the more science-based ones. And then um, I guess I'll give one last, uh, maybe two. Okay. I'll, I'll give one more. Um, what works by Tara McMullen. It's all about 
um, how we're navigating this capitalist world we live in, which we all benefit from, but um, how we navigate it without losing our humanity is the concept. That's really interesting. Yeah. This morning I went for a walk and I was going to turn on a podcast. I forget what it was, but it was like a very sciencey one. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I am not ready for this right now. Yeah. So I turned on um, Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Oh. Loving lately. It's so funny. Everybody has to listen to the Danielle Bernstein episode. Sorry, I don't mean to be a bitch and put her on blast, but that episode is so good. Oh my God, it is. And it's just like, I feel like they say things that we all want to say, but won't say. I know. It's like, I mean, sometimes it's border, borderline, but um, it's pretty, it's pretty tongue in cheek. So it's cathartic because I, a lot of the stuff that we like see on TV or like, um, I don't know, these celebrities, we're just internally thinking, oh my goodness, that's weird. But we think (laughs) going along with it. But then when you hear these girls breaking it down, you're like, oh my goodness, I feel so heard and validated for feeling like thinking that. Well, and I think, like, when you do read a celebrity memoir, like, actually read it, like, mm-hmm. you are always kind of, like, on their side mm-hmm. because it's, like, coming from them. Mm-hmm. But then to have, like, a third party kind of dissect it is really an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I'm glad you love that show. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so freaking good. I'm so glad. It's so good. Because I was in a phase for a while with podcasts of, like, mm-hmm. listening to very serious things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is, like, making me, like think too much this is giving me anxiety now Mm -hmm. um so i need to laugh a little bit so it's always good to have a little bit of a balance i hear ya with with shows (laughs) i am so so happy you were able to join and we could go on forever and i will definitely be having sarah on again um because there's always more to talk about between her and i um but how do you curate your life like a work of art oh I should have known this was coming oh my goodness and, and what is it but what does it mean to you okay curating my life like a work of art I guess it comes down to I'm, I want to tie it back to kind of my values as a person so a big thing for me is someone who tends to really live up in my head and just be racing super analytical always on to the next thing Curating my life comes back to trying to be mindful, trying to be present, and just living lightheartedly, like just laughing, finding humor and stupid shit, finding humor and like the things that I take way too seriously, and ultimately um, remembering that we are here to be in community, to connect with other people, because again, I am prone to isolating myself, becoming really introverted, and I know that, again, when life feels the most beautiful, it's because I am in close connection with people that... Um, just really fill my cup and who I feel like I can fill theirs in return. That is absolutely beautiful. Living mm-hmm. life lightheartedly. Yeah. That- be on a Hallmark card. Yeah. It was <laughs> cute. It's like, how can we just, uh, again, coming back to the wellness space, entrepreneurship space, people just take shit way too seriously, myself included. Yeah. Um, so it's like, how can we just be more mindful about letting it roll off your back and letting just it go? Yeah. Yeah. Just being lighthearted. Letting it go because. Mm-hmm. Nothing is that serious. We are on a floating rock, people. (laughs) Well, this was wonderful. Thank you again, Sarah, for joining me on the show today. (laughs) Can I I ask you one roundup question? Yeah. This is a reference to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Yeah. If if, um, today was your... Fuck, I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to ruin it. If if, if you were a celebrity and today was your memoir, what would the title be? (laughs) 
oh my god you know what they ask this all the time and I'm like I could never answer that question yeah. okay wait let me think about it and then I'll cut cut this <laughs> okay wait I would call it a knowing oh I love it I love like, intrigue that deep knowing you have within oh, like I, a knowing. I love it talk about letting shit roll off your shoulders oh, just in I obviously don't <laughs> I know I I love it. It's all about the intention though. Even if it's the intention, you know, even for for me, I feel like it would be like my title of my book would be curated chaos. So it's like, even if you're like, and you can get 100%, please cut this. But it's like, if you, it's this, this, this intention of being well curated and organized, but just really being chaotic underneath, you know, (laughs) aren't we all though? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dead. How can you curate your life? <laughs> I'm chaotic. That's how I curate it. <laughs> I just, I own it. I'm chaotic. I love it. I'm just chaos. 